okay, how long, how long can I keep doing this? Can I, can I keep doing this for another year? And I thought, I can't do it for a year. I can't do it for a month. I don't even think I can do it for a week, but I started thinking, well, I, I could do it maybe for a day. And then I thought, what would I do if I really did just have one day with my son? And I woke up the next morning and before I got out of bed, before I did anything, I opened my eyes and I said, this is my last day alive. And I kind of believed it. I, I kind of gave me this energy, this excitement that what if it really is? What if it really is? It could actually be. And, and am I gonna live as a hostage with my son? And I thought, no, no, no. I am gonna show my son that there are all kinds of things that our, our world can be big and beautiful. And I wanted to find that abundant life that God calls us to and promises. And this definitely was not smooth, but I think the whole uh, lesson in perseverance for me was that I would still get up the next day and do exactly the same thing, seeing it as my last day. And it certainly could have been, and today could be our last. And what am I gonna do with that day? And when I set my mind like that, I could get through day by day. And what happened is I could see God shining through my son's life. You're listening to the Reframing Ministries podcast, providing help, hope, healing, and humor for people walking through pain. Here's our host, Colleen Swindoll-Thompson. Today, I am thrilled to have my friend and our guest, Emily Colson, who will be talking with us about perseverance. Emily, welcome to our conversation. Thank you, Colleen. I'm so <laughs> glad to be with you. Um, Emily, as we started talking about doing this a while ago, the subject of perseverance came up. Um, you had mentioned that being something that would be, uh, that you have lived through. I would like to know, when did you first start to discover, gosh, life is like not quite as abundant as I thought it would be. and how am I gonna keep moving on? Well, it's interesting. When we first talked about this subject, I think I was in such a stretch that required perseverance that it was really present on my mind. And Max was about to graduate from school. My son, Max, is 22 with autism. And boy, was that a stretch where I needed to rely fully on God and just feeling so broken and so inadequate to figure out how I was gonna go forward and what was gonna happen at this magic age of 22 when he would lose school services. I think the first time, Colleen, that I really experienced the depth and love of Christ mm -hmm. in the midst of my brokenness and my needing to go forward is when Max was he was really about eight, nine years old. And I had become a single mom when Max was just really 18 months old. This was a really tough time. And he was diagnosed and I went through a divorce at exactly the same time. But by the time he was nine, oh boy, Colleen, that, that autism, that had us hostage. And I would put Max in bed, hoping he'd sleep for an hour, maybe, or two hours. <laughs> A lot of us know what that really is. They just, he just wasn't sleeping. Right. And I would come downstairs and I would sit in a rocking chair in my living room and I would just stare at the wall because there was just nothing, nothing left of me. I had no strength of my own. And I began to think about, you know, how long can I do this? We were isolated. We couldn't go out of the house unless we had these big, huge tantrums and meltdowns and not, not any fault of Max's, you know, it's just autism that he was so overwhelmed by the world and uh, he just wanted it to make sense. And 
he didn't understand it. And, and honestly, Colleen, I didn't understand it any better than he did. And I made a decision one night in that rocking chair. Actually, um, I write about it in Dancing with Max. I, I had my own little meltdown, my own little tantrum. <laughs> and well, Only one? Well, served. <laughs> well, this was a good one. And uh, I began to think, okay, how long, how long can I keep doing this? Can I, can I keep doing this for another year? What, what would be fair in, in God's perspective? What would seem fair? And, and I thought, I can't do it for a year. I can't do it for a month. I don't even think I can do it for a week. But I started thinking, well, I, I could do it maybe for a day. You know, that seemed... If you're going to talk about fairness, which <laughs> is an interesting subject in itself, no and, kidding. Uh, I thought, yeah, maybe, maybe one day, maybe I can do it one day. And then I thought, what would I do if I really did just have one day with my son that I love so much and adore? What kind of day would I have with him? And I woke up the next morning, and before I got out of bed, before I did anything, I opened my eyes and I said, this is my last day alive. And I kind of believed it. I, I kind of gave me this energy, this excitement that what if it really is? What if it really is? It could actually be. And, and am I going to live as a hostage with my son because he might have a meltdown or someone might say something unkind and because it was difficult, are we gonna stay in the house on that last day? And I thought, no, no, no. I am gonna show my son, number one, that I love him like crazy, which he already knew. But number two, that there are all kinds of things that our, our world can be big and beautiful. And I wanted to find that abundant life that God calls us to and promises. And so Colleen, we went out on that day and it was disastrous <laughs> and isn't that so hard when you when here you prayed and and you sat in the rocking chair and you called out to the lord like we hear in the psalms and throughout scripture and you think okay certainly this one day the lord is just right. gonna cooperate and make it all work out how we think we can control that right but, <laughs> We think, okay, Lord, I've given this to you. It's going to have just something magical in it. And yet, it doesn't mean that he hasn't heard our prayers. Oh, no. But. Oh, no. <laughs> right. And, and this definitely was not smooth. But I think the whole uh, lesson in perseverance for me was that I would still get up the next day and do exactly the same thing, seeing it as my last day. And it certainly could have been, and today could be our last. And what am I gonna do with that day? And when I set my mind like that, first thing in the morning, and God, you take it, I could get through day by day. And the fabulous thing that happened, see, I thought this was all about how can Max navigate the world and navigate the community? And I thought that was sort of going to be our model of success if we could do that. And what happened is I could see God shining through my son's life, not despite the autism, but because of the autism. And people stepped out of their comfort zones. They stepped into our messy, bumpy lives and did the most beautiful things that I don't even think they knew they were capable of. So much good and beauty came from our mess. And that was God. And that was something that I didn't even know was a possibility, you know, that, that he is able to do immeasurably more than all we think or imagine. And my little small idea of how this was going to work was that we would go out and everything was gonna be okay. Well, we went out and it was not okay, but it's what God did with our not okayness that made it all so worth it and made it a story that I, I hope inspires a lot of people. And it helps me every time I think about, you know, the next challenge and the challenge I'm in at the moment is that God is doing something so much bigger and greater than my small little pea-sized brain 
can imagine. And that is so, that in itself is so filled with hope for me. I love that you're very honest and um, very candid about the fact that life was messy. Oh, yeah. That in the midst of all this stuff that you'd prayed, committed it to the Lord, and, and thought it would look a certain way, how often we do that, mm-hmm. and it actually looked very different, yet it expanded your life to be something so different. In fact, here's your little book. You have to get Dancing with Matt. All of you have to, because it is talking exactly about what Emily is saying. And that is that in the midst of the challenges, God still works. I was looking through the intro that your dad wrote. Um, For those of you who may not know, Emily, Colson is the daughter of the late Chuck Colson. It's still a very fresh thing because y'all's relationship was very, very close. But yes. something I found that was very profound, he wrote in the introduction, where he says, I never expected that my daughter would have to go through so many struggles, pain greater than I went through. And yet, just as I have seen in my own life, God can do amazing things through our weaknesses. God can turn around the most helpless situation and reveal his good purpose. What happened to Emily and to her beautiful son was beyond anything I could have ever imagined for myself. And then he says, I'll let Emily tell you the story. (laughs) As just a dad would say. Um, So you, you... you resolved that life is going to be messy. It's okay that it's messy. Max has a voice, even though he doesn't speak at times or have even the same language or there's echolalia and he repeats, Mama, you're the queen of the earth. You're the queen of the earth. (laughs) Um, Did you have fears or what part was the hardest for you to get through as you were cultivating perseverance? I think the hardest part is perhaps to take my eyes off myself and to let go of what I think it should be, to let go of what I think I have a right to in this world and I have a right for it to be fair and I have a right for it to be neat and I have a right for it to look like all the good things I see in other people. And I think That is a constant battle in recognizing that God has made me to do a specific purpose in life. He has made me for a purpose. He has made me, knit me together in a certain way that is unlike anyone else. And it's the same way that I look at Max. He has knit Max together in this extraordinary way where the world says, you don't fit. And yet I have watched God do the most remarkable things through this young man that does not fit. And so I think for me, it is remembering that God has made me to be unique. He has made me in his image. He asks me to trust him because he is trustworthy and to trust that he has something better that I'm going for, that I'm stepping forward into and and persevering toward and to, to find his goodness and his plan and to bring his kingdom of heaven closer to the earth. Those are the things I think about. And this life is short, although when we are struggling to persevere, it really feels it really feels incredibly long and long. <laughs> and we just think, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get through this? But it is that discipline. You know, someone sent me a few weeks ago, I was having a really, really tough time missing my dad and praying about it. And I opened an email and someone happened to send me at that very moment a list that my dad had given her of Chuck Colson's 10 lessons for leaders. And one of the lessons, number five, my dad had written, it is painful to obey. 
And I think in our perseverance, it is painful to obey because there are times I've wanted to just pull those covers over my head and stay there and I have a right to and never come out. It is that obedience that I will trust you and, and I am God's property, I am his servant and I want to be that. And what are you gonna do with me today? Can you use me? Can you use all the mess of me today? That makes it so worth it to say yes. In what you just said, there's a critical word and that is to obey. Because a lot of times we think of determination and perseverance and endurance as a willful thing, which it certainly is, but it is the will to obey what God has called us to do, which is to be responsible with what he has put on our plate. That can be so very hard. Well, here you were raising Max as a single parent, learning that life wasn't fair, which is a lesson I think that we learn over and over and over again. See, I think my autistic son and Max, they have have a clue in on some things. They need to have things repeated and I need to have things repeated myself. (laughs) (laughs) And that is to continue to walk forward. As doors open, as you continued one day at a time, you were asked to write a book and as we talked yesterday, that came with its own set of challenges, which we think, oh, she's an author, and there's this huge persona of, of fame, but I want you to tell the real side of it. Oh, well, I will tell you about the, the book, but I will also tell you that there is nothing neat or glamorous about my life, and you know what? I'm really, really thankful for that. Now, if we were sitting in my living room, you would see that there are two seats out of a car in the middle of our living room, out of an Audi. Those belong to Max. (laughs) (laughs) He loves leather seats out of cars and Audis were the ultimate. So he has two car seats in our living room. You can actually plug them in and move them back and forth. But that is, <laughs> I think it's only redneck if we put them in the front yard. So I think we're all right if we have them in the living room. But Well, you can put a welcome sign in front of them in the living room. <laughs> well, we, people come into our living room and they are so drawn to that. They go right there. You know, the thing that I think I love about being Max's mom is that it strips away any sense that oh aren't you know aren't I wonderful and, and that I could worry so much about what people think of me because the autism just sliced through everything when he was diagnosed and as he was getting a little bit older he became like a barometer that divided people and I lost some friends that I thought were good friends but they were interested in things that were a little bit more superficial, shall we say. But real people came into our lives. And so it is such a privilege to travel through life with this amazing tour guide and to see what is really beautiful and what's really important and the real stuff of life, not the all perfect, lovely, isn't my life looking so swell. A friend of mine said to me once, when we were talking about our houses and how they get so <laughs> so full, <laughs> shall we say. And she said, you know, we should not hide this because we're all in the same place. We should all let our cuckoo out. <laughs> I just loved that line, <laughs> our cuckoo out. <laughs> yeah, why do we try to package it up so nice and neat? And then we look and we're, we're so intimidated thinking, how are they so neat? How is their life looking so lovely? And we can't relate to them. When the book started, I, I began by writing stories down because I had this, you know, some of us get a, a nudge from the Holy Spirit. This was an all out shove. I dropped everything in my life and started to write because I had these great stories and I just couldn't bear that maybe I would die and those stories would be lost and no one would know what God did through Max. <laughs> I get goosebumps just thinking about what he's done and how he's used my son. And so I began to write and Zondervan 
read it and said, yes, you know, we, we think that this would be a great idea for you to pursue doing a book. And it was that very day that a dentist gave me a triple prescription of antibiotics and I contracted what is a, an antibiotic resistant superbug, uh, C. diff. And the entire year of writing the book, I was so sick, Colleen, that I would lie on the couch and drag myself over to the computer because I knew I had to get this down. I had made this not only a commitment to Zondervan, but I had made this commitment personally that these stories cannot be lost. They cannot be lost. And I would sit at the keyboard and I would just pray, God, I can't function. You know, I can't function. I can't drive the car. I can't, I can't eat anything. I can't, I can't do a thing, but I will sit here and I will type. I will move my fingers on the keys. And I'll tell you something, Colleen, I would read the book. I would read things that I had written two weeks later, and I would honestly not have any recollection of writing it. And I would think, how did that come out of me? I don't even remember writing that. So I know, I know that God worked through my weakness and he let me know that it's his. And from, from that point on, I knew, okay, okay, all right, it is not up to me. And he can use me even in my most weakened, broken state when I was very frustrated and very, very tired of being sick for a year straight. That was just, that was just really, really tough. But God has used it and it's his. It's just 100% his. And what a gift to write with my dad. You know, my dad wrote so so tenderly and so much from the heart in Dancing with Max. And he wrote as a grandfather and as a father. He would write his portion and I would write my portion and we would send each other back little pieces of manuscripts and talk about it. And we could say things in writing that we could not say face to face because they were so tender and they were so loving. And our relationship that in itself is a lesson in perseverance because we were not all that close when my dad was not a Christian and in those early years. And we went through a lot to have the relationship that we were privileged to have. And to be able to share that in writing and write about each other in the book and send those pieces of manuscript back and forth, my dad would sometimes, you know, I know people don't picture Chuck Colson doing this, but he would put a little XXOO underneath certain certain passages that he had written. And I really hope that when people read that, that they will see those invisible love marks rise to the surface. And I think in one of our conversations along the way, you had mentioned how your dad was very ordered and he was a Marine, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. Green captain. Hello. Is anything ever out of order? No. And so with my dad being in the Marines as well, oh. it's very funny having a, a child like Max that there's just a lot of cuckoo that can come out of a family when that's around. And yes, there is. You told me that your dad made a decision when you came to see them at some point. Right to make Max his total focus. What was that like for you as a mom? Oh boy. It was not only for me as a mom, but for me as a daughter. It was probably one of the greatest gifts I've ever had. And my dad struggled with Max when he was young and trying to figure out what his role really was. and. Uh, we, we wrote about it. it. It wasn't until my dad had to step back. He got sick with the flu and he had to just watch Max and watch me with him. And he began to realize that he was really getting it kind of wrong. He thought his job was to teach Max and impart this great wisdom on his grandson. And of course, his grandson had absolutely no interest in learning whatever his grandfather wanted to teach him about. I mean, it just, it just 
they weren't on the same, they weren't playing on the same level in, in any way. And it was then that my dad decided he would clear his schedule. He saw how beautiful Max was exactly as he is. And my dad, at that point, nobody could clear my dad's schedule, but Max could. And we would come down and visit regularly and see him in Florida and my stepmom. And my dad would cancel all of his work and his radio programs and writing and phone calls. Everything was done because Max was there. Actually, the office, Prison Fellowship and, and the Colson Center loved it because they know Max is there. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a little bit of a break for them. While the cat's away, the mice are going to play. <laughs> exactly. But it was so precious because Max really gave my dad and me this precious time together that we didn't have when I was growing up. But we would spend our time going to the park and the zoo and swimming together and taking walks and going to the appliance store that Max loves and doing all the things that were around Max. But it gave my dad and I, oh my goodness, so, so much time to just be together, just as a father and a daughter. And what, a, what an enormous blessing. And it's just, it's as if God gave us back everything the locusts and politics devoured, and he gave us back double, and he just lavished his love over us. Great I'm, gift. I'm, I think that ties in so, so much perseverance. perseverance. Mm -hmm. And the fact yeah, that you chose not to pull the sheets over your eyes and over your head to get Max out there. I was looking here in the part of your book again, and it's where your dad talks about ha Max having a transforming power on him as well as the family. And he says, you know, he confesses in the early years with Max, they were fearful, which I think is a very common thing that parents and grandparents and extended family do encounter is a sense of fear you know sure. what what's this going to be like and you know it's it's messy and we don't know how to do that but then he talks about and i didn't highlight it so i can't find it now um but he talks about seeing you love max and you being able to get into max's world because you committed to do so and that that pulled him into thinking I want to know how yeah. to love like she loved. Yeah. And Max, the Maxes of the world really teach us that. They teach us to get out of our own way, to get to, to rid ourselves of what we think the relationship is supposed to be and to love someone unconditionally. We think we don't want to do that and how hard it is, but then once we experience that with somebody like Max, and you know that with John. Once we get up close and we find out how precious these individuals are and how they are not passing judgment on us, and all of a sudden we think, oh, how did I miss this? How did I miss this? You know, Max was, he was with me in, in uh, church this past Sunday, and oh, he just loves our church, and we are <laughs> Let me just say, everybody knows when Max is there. <laughs> Leaping and dancing in the back with the music, and he's a greeter, and oh my goodness, but the music was on at the end, and Max was dancing away, and it was, uh, I think the song is called um, The Great I Am, and Max climbed these little stairs, and he's throwing his hands up, and he's cheering, The Great I Am. And then he came down and he hugged me and his, his head was, of course, over my shoulder. And this gentleman who's in his 70s, who is a seeker, he is not there yet. He is a serious seeker and trying to understand God and, and what his love is all about. And he could see Max's face. And when Max bounced away and jumped off into the next direction at the end of church, this gentleman looked over at me and he said, do you know that 
your son has the most beautiful expression when he's hugging you. He said, does he ever have an unkind thought? And I had to really think about that. And I said, well, he gets nervous about things and there are certainly things that he does not want to do. But I said, does he think unkindly about other people? I said, no, he doesn't. He isn't passing judgment on others. And this man just kind of got tears in his eyes and he said, God has truly shown you favor. And I thought, you know, this is the gift. This is the gift. And we look at these kids, we look at people with disabilities and we distance ourselves and we think, I don't want to get near this. And then something brings us up close and we are the ones changed. We are the ones transformed and seeing something so beautiful and unconditional and so much better than than we had in mind and so much better than certainly I am capable of. I think I was telling you, Colleen, I took Max to a, a father-son event. <laughs> a wonderful gentleman at our church had asked if Max could come and he would sort of act as, as dad that day for that particular event to Max. And so we're there and one of the activities is that you drop down on the floor and you write a letter the child writes a letter to the parent and the parent writes back to the child. And so this fellow Gary said, all right, Emily, that's, that's yours. You do this with Max. So they announced that everyone should start the letter with, I love you because. So Max dropped down and just to see him write is so beautiful because he worked so hard to learn how to write. And it's, you know, these huge letters and it's messy and scribbly and, Half the people can't even understand what he's writing, but I look at it and I think, oh, oh, that is so beautiful. Look at him write. It's a Van Gogh. Hang it up. Amazing. So he drops on the floor and of course he's he's saying what he's writing. And so he writes, I love you because. Now I am ready to jump in and give him some things he might love about me. <laughs> Because you're a queen, because you do my laundry, because you take care of me 24-7, because you didn't sleep for 10 years. Right. <laughs> Just for starters. Just for <laughs> So I'm ready to jump in, and Max writes, I love you because, and then he says aloud, God is love. And all of the dads around just stopped in their tracks and looked over and I looked at Max and here in this beautiful beautiful penmanship only capable by Max he has written I love you because God is love that unconditional love and I think my dad discovered that when he got up close with Max he would say that Max changed him Max influenced him more than anybody else. It's affected other people around him when we get up close. And that is the beautiful part, this losing ourselves and just discovering what love really can be. And it can't be about self. It just can't. It's amazing, it's amazing that when that we're, we're raising our, our children and there's so and much to learn from them, how much of our parenting involves self and our children point that out in so many ways i think parents i know before john was in our family i was irritated with the children because it interfered at times with myself it didn't really have much to do with them but it had to do with what i thought was you know, the plan for the day or my comfort zone or whatever that would be. Right. And even perseverance even comes or is part of letting go of self. It is. How does that look for you even today mm. when there are needs and there are things going on and you've got your day planned and, and it gets turned upside down? I mean... I know that there are a ton of, of parents and grandparents and individuals 
who have their world turned upside down and think, well, it's that fault or that thing. But really, it's an invasion right. of the self that's on the throne, that the Lord is kindly but determined to nudge over. Yes. That's his place. That's his place. What does that look like even for you today? Well, you know, I um, I am here because I am experienced in perseverance. But I cannot say I've got it all right. <laughs> and there are so many times, Colleen, oh my goodness, when I am knocked over daily, daily, and I either fall into a pit of fear or into um, aggravation that it isn't going the way I want it to, or I'm completely exhausted and we need to talk about refrigerators again. (laughs) I am am too tired or I have some work I need to do and I can't get it done. And ultimately at the end of the day, as I look back on any of those things, it really, they really didn't matter. They, they were not the life and death moments of life. They were the, uh, the irritations of life. And it is, I think it is a die to self over and over. And uh, it's a struggle. I will struggle today. I struggled yesterday. I have no doubt I will struggle tomorrow in uh, just getting myself out of the way. It's a great goal and a great goal for us to ask God to help us with and to remember that he has created us with a purpose and a plan. And this is not, nothing has slipped through his fingers. And this is tough stuff. You know, our, our families, we both know, our, our families face enormous obstacles in life. And we are pulled in so many directions trying to help our kids that have disabilities, whatever their age, or our loved ones with a disability. And we are pulled with all of the other things of life too, all the things that stress everybody else, our finances and keeping our houses up and a chunk of the roof blows off in a storm and you know I've got to get the car in and oh my goodness and and just everything everything the dog is barking the baby's crying the radio's going and we just think stop 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 but he has called us to something greater than those irritations he has called us to something more beautiful and and stronger than autism and bigger than autism and bigger than the problems that come into our lives because he calls us to him and he is bigger he is greater than any of those things and he knows all about it you know my my dad um 20 years ago he gave me the bible that i still use today and uh, I love it because it's got my notes all over the place for 20 years. But it also had my dad's, has my dad's note when he uh, gave it to me at Christmas. And he wrote in there, James 1, 1 through 12. Yes. And Max was two years old at the time. And I was in the midst of divorce trying to understand what the diagnosis was, I mean, moving, not knowing where we were gonna live, not knowing how we were gonna survive. And he gave me that scripture about perseverance, about going forward. And let's see if I can even read it to you now. James, in James 1, consider it pure joy my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I, I, I am so grateful that my dad gave me that scripture because I have held on to that over and over and over that God has something good in mind. He is doing something with this. It is not just, let's see if Emily and Colleen can 
buck up and get through this day. He is our strength. He is our ever-present help in times of struggle. And so to know that he is doing something more than this little thing in front of me, even though it feels so life-consuming, he's doing something more with it. And that I need in, in my own little pocket of the world to bring the kingdom of heaven closer and to seek him. And that when we're all doing that, how beautiful that is to bring his his kingdom and his goodness and heaven just a little bit closer to this very, very broken earth. And One of those, or in that passage of James, when I was in eighth grade, I went to private school, so we had to memorize the whole book of James. And at the time, I'm like, whatever. Why are we memorizing this book? Ugh. But... To this day, there are passages of scripture in James that I depend on like there's no tomorrow. And one of them is about the temporariness of life. I think it's in chapters three or four and how it is just but a vapor that is here for a moment and then goes away. And that touches on what you talked about earlier, which is I can make it today. In fact, that's a biblical principle. When the Lord tells us, you have no idea. You plan to go to this place or that place, but you have no idea if it's going to work out. Right. And then that chapter, the, the beginning of um, James chapter one, and you probably already know this because you're so much smarter than I am, but it talks about... Smarter than everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you need to teach Max that. Mommy is smarter than everyone. <laughs> say mom you're the smartest person in the world (laughs) big star cowboy but my dad was talking to me about that and he said when it says you will suffer trials of all kinds in the original language it meant it means polka dotted like big polka dots small polka dots medium-sized polka dots and I know there are times where you feel like your life is a is a twister map with all these big polka dots on them but right. we are assured that there will be challenges of all shapes and sizes. And in order for us to get through those, mm-hmm. perseverance, the cultivation of that, mm-hmm. and endurance has its perfect work, which I believe directly relates to what you were saying about the self. No, let's get the self off the throne. Christ belongs there. And that's the only place that he has full reign, but it is such, it is so hard to get us there at times, isn't it? It is. It's hard to get out of our own ways. You know, sometimes I just can't believe I am stuck with myself 24 hours a day. (laughs) I'm so tired of of, of me. Yeah. Yeah, and it and it is. I think taking it in bite-sized portions because right now we are we're in a huge transition. Max has just graduated from school. We are now finding our way in the adult system, which is very different and complicated. And um, Max is no longer entitled to an education through the school system. We are kind of out there. We are not on our own. We are absolutely not on our own because God has a perfect plan and he knows exactly what Max needs. And I've been amazed at the doors he has opened up. If I look at today, we're okay. We are okay. I have been afraid of this transition for 10 years. I, I had so much stress calling two weeks before Max was graduating that I had all this pressure on the side of my neck and I thought, oh my gosh, I know that, that is, that's either a heart attack or a stroke. I know that. I have watched medical shows. <laughs> I remember Marcus Welby. That is either a stroke or a heart attack. And so, of course, I, I took emergency action and went to the drugstore and bought some aspirin because I figured I could just take a pill and that'll go away because I don't have time to deal with it. But the, the pressure, the pressure that built in me was agony. And then that graduation came, which was probably one of the highlights of my life. It was the most beautiful day. I, I just could not believe I was so proud of Max and just the way the whole day unfolded. 
But the future going forward has been such a frightening thing. And, you know, what if, what is he going to do? And what if he doesn't have anything to do? And what are our lives going to look like? If I look at today, two weeks, or we're now two months past graduation, today is wonderful. Today is beautiful. It is very different than it was before, but God is providing in this day. If I look forward and try to figure out what what are we going to do if if this doesn't work and if that support doesn't come through and what if this falls apart and oh my gosh what are what are we going to do? This is terrible. I I go into a complete panic. But if I take it in a bite-sized chunk and look at what God has done for us today and be grateful for it, I can have such joy in this particular moment. And I am going to tell you, for 10 years, I never would have believed that. I never would have believed it. I just thought people said it's falling off a cliff and you just never land. And that's hopeful. Oh, yeah. Doesn't that help? And people love to tell you about all the disastrous programs. <laughs> there are some bad ones. There are. Wow. Um, Thank you for your input. Now I, let me go just joke myself. There are also <laughs> amazing things, amazing things that can happen. And, and only by God's hand, I will tell you, because I worked and worked and worked thinking, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make something fabulous and I can do this and I'll use everything I've got and I'll connect with people. And oh my goodness, I spent about four months, five months in this just hyper-driven type A focus. And I'm not really a type A person, but I can go into that mode. And I thought, I, I got to fix this for Max. And two weeks before when I was taking my aspirin, <laughs> with such great wisdom. Because <laughs> you didn't have time for a stroke. Uh, okay. I, didn't have time for that. And I certainly didn't have time for the doctors. And so, uh, so it was at that point that I just let go and said, God, I clearly cannot do this. And so whatever good comes, I know it's by your hand because I can't accomplish anything here. I'm not, I'm not affecting any change. I'm not capable of doing it. And he did open doors, not the doors I expected at all. He did open doors. And I will tell you for those parents who are afraid of this transition, and I know it's pretty much, yep, <laughs> it's pretty much all of us. This is a scary, scary thing and what is going to happen, but I'm gonna tell you to be hopeful in what God can do to persevere in this. and. I can't tell you how much time I wasted being afraid and worrying about how this was going to go and what it was going to look like and the amount of fear that bubbled up in me. I just think, my goodness, what I could have done with that time had I sleep, probably I would have had better sleep. How many, how many nights did I wake up in the middle of the night and think, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we have this much time. We have this much time. It's, you know, it's three years, it's, it's two years. And then I was in the countdown and why did I do that? Why did I, why did, why did I waste my time in that way? Because God already had it and he knew exactly what, he knew exactly what he would put in place for Max. And this day, I will tell you that this day is lovely. And it's not about denial. It's not about saying, you know, I'm just gonna, well, maybe it is a little. <laughs> that I'm not gonna look forward. Of course we have to plan and we have to do, we have to do certain things. We have to put things in place and, and do our homework and use our gifts wisely. But God is the one that opens the doors. And so, I don't want parents to do what I did, which was to live in such fear, because surprisingly the day still came, and even though I was worried and afraid, it did not stop it. Max still turned 22, and it had to be one of the most beautiful celebrations of all God had done in those first 22 years. He spoke, he spoke, now, you have to understand, you know, I know some people have read Dancing with Max and you have a little understanding of his level, but he's not conversational unless you want to talk about vacuum cleaners or microwaves or something. Refrigerators. 
<laughs> All right, highways or, you know, there are certain subjects he will talk to you about, but he struggles with speech and with anxiety. And I held cue cards at his graduation that we wrote out together. You know, we thought about what he would like to say. And I kind of crouched down in front of him as he stood in front of maybe 150 people with the graduation cap and the gown. And it was just his graduation because that's what happens in a special needs school when you turn 22, that's your graduation. But he stood in front of 150 people and followed those cue cards and spoke. And after he'd read one cue card, he'd look up and he'd smile around. He was so proud. And when, when he finished, he just threw his hands up in the air and he yelled, I'm a superstar. (laughs) Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Because Max persevered too. He did not give up either. And our kids and our loved ones who are affected by disability, they are the ones who are persevering in, in ways that I think we can't even begin to understand. They do not have the option to quit and say, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. It is what it is. And Max goes forward with autism. And I, I couldn't be more proud of my son because he stays with it. He keeps trying and he keeps working. And what a great, what a great teachers they are for all of us. Well, um, as we, as that, Perfect. And as we come to a close, in the end of your book where your dad is writing, this was incredibly powerful. And so I want to I want to read a little bit of it. And if you need to cry, that's OK. I understand. <laughs> but he says, Max forces us to raise the most important question of our age. What does it mean to be human? What would happen If all of science could make things perfect, what would happen to our humanity? Gone would be the many problems and ailments, that's true. But also gone would be the trials that shape our character. And inevitably, our freedom would disappear. And he goes on to talk about love and he says, real love is refined through the path of suffering and pain. Which is why one friend, which is why one friend, when she learned of Max's autism, said to me, oh, you have found favor from God. And then he closes on the last page with, isn't it just like God after all of these years of study and service as a Christian? And if all men could say that, it would be your dad. (laughs) I would experience this ultimate good or as close to as humans can in the lives of my daughter and my grandson, the kind of love, agape love, that comes from God. Are there any specific verses or passages that you have really clung to? Because I know, Emily, some who are watching are not on the other side of that deep, dark place. What would you say to them as they continue to try and persevere? For me, it has been Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And for those friends of ours who are in that dark pit, who are sitting in the rocking chair right now, I so get it. I can't say that I have allowed myself to sit in my rocking chair in the way that I used to. Sometimes I sit in that chair and just let myself remember. But there have been other things that have come into my life that losing my dad that have um, (laughs) brought me to uh, an end of myself and wondering how I go forward and losing something so precious. And yet I have such enormous gratitude for God, for what God did and what he gave us. I know 
when I think about my dad. Thank you for reading that. As I told you, I haven't been able to read the prologue and the epilogue of the book since I lost my dad. They're amazing. <laughs> but I think about what he did with his life and the obstacles he faced. I know people think, oh, Chuck Colson, oh my goodness. You know, he just was in charge of all these wonderful things and accomplished so much and God accomplished so much through him. But he faced trial after trial and I saw that up close and I saw him daily getting up and going forward, even though the circumstances were really, really difficult circumstances that probably no one would have known and yet he went forward. And I have so many times fallen back into that place of the pit. And I think sometimes I just walk with an open pit beside me and it's just calling me. It's just saying, come on, it's more comfortable to just fall down in here. And the world really is that bad and just stay down in this pit. And it takes so much effort for me to start that climb. It's like I keep sliding down the sides and these slippery edges and, and fall right back down into that pit. But once I can climb up and remember that God gives me this life, it is a short life, it is a vapor, and he wants to do something with me in this. Not about my comfort, it's not about my, how everything just is gonna be so sweet and pretty and patched together. It is messy, but God, this is his specialty. God is gonna work in our mess. And I don't want those of you who are struggling right now, I don't want you to miss what he's gonna do because I look back at my life and there have been so many times that I just could have quit. I just could have said, it is too much. But I am so glad, I am so grateful that God gave me the strength and that I didn't miss it. And I don't want, I don't want you to miss it either. Those of you, our friends who are listening to this today, I don't want you to miss it either. This is not gonna be easy. It's not gonna feel fair, but I promise you that God will shine in your lives when you persevere and you seek him and search for him, we will find him and it will be worth it. That is so incredible. Emily, that encourages me. Um, how can people get a hold of you if they are interested in having you come and speak or do you have a blog that you write? Uh, I have a, a website that I, I need to keep back up with my blog. Haven't been quite so good on that. But I have a website, emilycolson.com. Uh, you can also write to me at emilycolsonministries at gmail.com. So I would love to hear from people and talk with you. And um, it is my joy and privilege to come and speak in different places and speak in churches and help people understand how extraordinary these individuals are. When Max was diagnosed, my dear friend, Peppermint Patty, pretty sure that was her real name, said to me, God works through these children. Max is a gift. These children are a gift. And it is my joy to come and celebrate that with people around the country and share what a gift they truly are. Well, Emily, you're a gift. I want you to know that too. Colleen, thank you. I treasure you. I treasure our friendship. And I so appreciate this opportunity to be here and share. It's really wonderful. Well, you're welcome. I would like to hear if some of you have been struggling with fear or questions or doubts or are angry at the Lord for allowing something to invade your life and you don't know where to go and talk to someone about that, this is the place for you to comment in our comments section and I promise I will get back to you with that. Emily, thank you again, my dear friend, for sharing such wisdom. This has been wonderful. Thank I you. I love you. You are wonderful. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Have a great day.
You can find the show notes and referenced resources in the podcast description or on our website, reframingministries.com. If you were impacted by today's conversation, I would be so thankful if you rated and reviewed the podcast, shared it on your social media, or share it with some friends who you think would be touched. You can email me personally at reframingministries at insight.org. If you'd like to be updated on Reframing's activities and content, please feel free to subscribe on our website. Thank you again for joining us today at Reframing Ministries. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know in the comments on our website. Our desire is to provide biblical help, hope, healing, and humor for people walking through unique and challenging segments in life. And in order to provide for more people, we love your support through prayer, sharing this content with friends, and partnered support. Reframing Ministries and Insight for Living Ministries operate entirely and only on your generous gifts and donations. You can partner with us and donate to Reframing Ministries through our website. The Reframing Ministries podcast is a production of Insight for Living Ministries.